Well, good morning. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot over the, this month because this is kind of uh, something that we've kind of identified as something that we want to be more uh, on the same page about. And I love that you got to hear from Katrina for just a minute about one way uh, that you could serve. But one of the main questions that I hear a lot if you're new to Kingsway or if you've been here for a while is this, is how do I become a member of Kingsway? Hey, there it is. How do I become a member of Kingsway? And I, I love that thought uh, because a lot of us come from different backgrounds, different, um, you know, kind of, I would say, denominations, uh, different understandings of what that means. But basically what they're saying is, how do I become in? How do I get in? All right? How do I get in? And so I want to join. I want to be a part. I want to get the Sam's Club card, right? I mean, that's that's... That's what that question is. And it's really helpful because what this really means is I, I don't just want to come. I want to be a part. I mean, that's really what this is. And so for some of you, you recognize that that, that question can have lots of ties to it. Do we get to vote? Uh, is there a special purple Kool-Aid in the back? Uh, do we get a parking spot with our name on it? Uh, is there a coffee mug involved? Something, right? But the truth is we try to take any... Um, pre-idea of what it would mean to join a social club or a building or to find some sort of special omission to what it would look like. And we try to remove those things. And we say, look, we are here about full life at Kingsway in believing that Jesus is the bearer of full life. And when you are all about that, then we say it's this easy. It's a math equation. Don't get freaked out. All right. But it's a math equation. Super simple. It's connect, serve, give, member. Poof! That's it. And so here at Kingsway, being a member, being a part of the body that is the church of Kingsway, is really this simple. And so over the course of this month, what we're going to try to do is encourage you, if you haven't taken a step yet in one of these areas, or if you have one of these pieces of the equation missing, to start. To start and to, to jump in and to be a part of Kingsway. To join and to say, yes, I'm in. Because the goal here is not to get a bunch of social people at a social club doing things. It's to move and be active and in inviting others into full life. And we believe this is the way that you say, I'm in. I'm helping, I'm connecting, and I'm contributing. I'm, I'm being a part. So what you just heard from Katrina was an opportunity to serve. If you go to kingswaymo.com and you check volunteer, you can click that today. You can have a conversation. You'll get an email. You'll have a chance to find out more. You're going to hear more of those opportunities over the course of the month. The where you could take a chance and take a step and say, hey, I'm in it. At the end of the month, we're actually going to have signups for new connect groups. Small groups of people that are going to meet for a set amount of time and do a few studies, meet in homes, meet at the church, and, and find a way to just get involved with each other's lives. And connect. Connect. And then you're going to hear me encourage you to give. Now, if you've been around Kingsway for a long time, you recognize we don't talk about money a whole lot here in the sense of offering and giving or tithing. It's actually intentional. Uh, it's intentional not because we don't see value in it, not because we don't think it's incredibly important, but because we don't want anything to get in the way of new people feeling like the church is here for anything than to give them something. 
So the last thing we want is the first impression of Kingsway to be, give us something. We want you to receive Jesus. And in the fullness that is life, listen, is the gracious gift of God that is Jesus. And that is the heart of full life, is generosity. It's the very message I'm talking about today in John 2. And that takes giving to be generous. It's a part of what it means to experience full life. You will remember what you give way more than what you receive. The larger the gift, you will remember it forever, that you gave it. It happened. John 3.16, for God gave his one and only son. It's a part of the identity. So what I'm going to encourage you to do is to start to give. If you've never given, give to Kingsway. To join in, to be a member to be a part. Now, before you're like, oh great, his bottom dropped out. If you're not sure about this whole giving thing, we have this great thing that we say here all the time. We want you to experience what it's like to give so bad that if you're not ready to be a part of this equation yet, give somewhere else until you're sure. Give somewhere else until you're sure. But the moment you say, hey, how do I become a member of Kingsway? How do I be a part of this community? This is the equation I want you to have in your mind. If you're here with a friend or you're bringing someone and they've been coming with you, this is what you should have in the back of your mind. John 10.10, 10, we come to follow Jesus and the full life that he offers, and we want everybody to connect, serve, and give to be a part. You're going to hear that more. Hopefully it sticks in your head. Hopefully it becomes something that you recognize as kind of the culture of what we're about. You recognize that there's a fullness in that that allows us all to be on the same page and unified. So, Connect, serve, give. That's how we become a church full of full life. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into John 2. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for times like this. But we can be a church that is growing, that is moving things forward, that is on mission for you. The very gospel that we are going to read today, Lord, we recognize we are receiving a calling, receiving a gift, receiving good news that must be shared, that must be lived out, that must be connected to others. Lord, may we offer that, may we receive it today. Lord, go before us. May we not be a church that's about our needs only, but what we get. May we be contributors. May we offer what we have received. In your name we pray. Amen. So, we have been going through the book of John, the Gospel of John. Uh, Kyler uh, preached last week. Uh, it was so fun to have Kyler preach. I watched him uh, on our live feed, and uh, the first thing out of his mouth was poop. And I thought that was hysterical. That's what he mentioned was poop. And I was like, oh my gosh, Kyler. Kyler. I was like, oh, he's my disciple. <laughs> That's my first thought. I was like, yeah, yeah, we've been working together for long enough. <laughs> love the guy to death. He did a great job. And I love the question that he got to expose last week in the last part of chapter 1. Uh, it's the first time you get to hear from Jesus, and Jesus literally asks the first question in the whole gospel, which is so cool. What do you want? I feel like every parent says that like 45,000 times a day. But Jesus says it. The first thing ever Jesus says is, what do you want? And, and I think for all of us, isn't that just a great question for the whole book of John? Like, what do you want? What do you want out of life, out of the Bible, out of your marriage, out of parenting, out of college, 
out of, out of your job? What do you, what do you want out of your friendships? What do you want to do? I mean, it's just a brilliant way to kind of secretly just kind of get you to go, ooh, man, that's a good question. That's a good question. And it's good to know this. That's there intentionally because everything that John's now going to talk about, it's laying out what God wants for you. It's laying out why Jesus came and what he wants to offer you. And so today we get to jump into one of the first kind of stories that kind of John kind of takes us from 50,000 feet overarching in the first chapter to just, I mean, like straight into chapter two, straight into an event. And it's one of the first things that he highlights. Now, if you were here back on Mother's Day, we actually talked about chapter two of John, uh, the first 12 verses that we're going to talk about today. So like you should remember if this is the same sermon I preached then. Or if it's not, all right, I'll just leave that up to you to figure it out, all right? Maybe you go back and look at your notes. Probably not. Maybe. You'll have to check. But we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 today, and I want to start by just reading a few verses at the beginning and then kind of laying out what we're going to do with what John's doing. So let's look at the first couple verses here. Uh, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Kind of a cool little highlight where John's like, hey, just so you know, his mom will be there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Kind of cool. He's at a wedding. Weddings were a big deal. They lasted several days. These were not just like a one night done, get out of there. You know, hey, I got to get back to the babysitter. This is like long time. All right. Many things going on. When the wine was gone, always a good... Uh oh. All right. Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. I just, can you just play this conversation out in your head? I just love this thought. I don't know what you grew up with, the mom background or whatever, but just imagine the parent figure walking in, looking at you, and just going, Hey, they're out of wine. Now, depending on your background, you're like, All right, do I need to go on a beer run? Like, what are we talking about here? right? How old am I? Where are we going? Like, is this farmer's market material? Like, is she handing me the debit card and saying, good luck? Like, what are we talking about? I mean, just put yourself in the context here. Is it Coca-Cola and the pizza party? I mean, that's how it was with me growing up, right? Little Caesars, $5 pizzas, cans of Coke. We are out of pizza. I knew what that meant. Get some pizza. Keep the troops happy. It's It's not unlike this, but there seems to be a little bit different context than a debit card or a beer run or some sort of craziness. There's some specifics to what Jesus' mom is thinking about. Now, I broke this down when we talked about this before. Woman, why do you involve me? That just sounds so insulting. And I want you to remember, this is originally in Greek, and that does not mean what you think it means in English. Because you read that in English, and it sounds like Jesus just you know, with his mama. And that's not what he did. It's just not what he did. This is a term of endearment, 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 endearment. And what it basically means is a place of privilege, a place of honor. It is the woman in the room. Think of it like saying like this, queen, why would you involve me? See how that makes it much more like, oh, oh, that's much nicer. Neither woman, why'd you involve me? Like, like, no, it's different, right? So he, he literally says, hey, madam, queen, why would you involve me? Very humble, 
or endearing. My hour has not yet come. Now this, his mama and him had a special thing going. If you read the first parts of Luke, you start to recognize, Mary, this is not a regular pregnancy. Mary knows Jesus is a little different. Their conversations must have been just crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, if you've, if you've watched a mama hold a brand new baby, they look at it like, I made this. This is incredible. This is me. I mean, it's not always that way. Sometimes they cry. But if, if you're looking at a baby that came and you were a virgin, I mean, I'm just trying to picture the, the awe that you have in that thing, right? The whole time you're just like, don't break it, don't break it, don't break it, don't break it. On a whole nother level. <laughs> But you can tell in this, there's some intimacy even with his mom that is just next level. It's just next level. It's crazy. And then the funny thing is, you can tell this because of the way she responds. Look at how she says it. His mother just looked to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. At that point, I'm going, servants, go get the wine, right? Like, like, go get the wine. Go go to the store. But she's got different ideas. And now, if you've heard the rest of the story, you know what's going to happen, but I want to give you pause here, because this is a point when you're reading this for the first time that you're going, what's going to happen? Like, what's going to happen? Because, like, this is the cliffhanger moment. Like, do whatever he tells you. Like, you imagine Jesus, like, just do a handstand real quick. Yeah, that had nothing to do with it. All right, just do it. (laughs) Like, full power in this moment, that they're like, no, just do whatever he tells it. And I want to point this out to you. John is going to do this seven seven times in his gospel, where he reveals a sign of who Jesus really is. Here's the seven right here. I laid them all out for you. Put them all on there. Just, yeah, just boom, 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 boom. Let's do it. Let's do it. Boom, bam, 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 bam. There we go. Cool. So here's the, here's the one we're about to watch. And cliffhanger, it's going to go from water to wine. All right, sorry if I spoiled anything. All right. Chapter four, he's going to heal a sick boy. It's a sign of something. Chapter five, he's going to heal a paralyzed man. Chapter, chapter six, he's going to feed 5,000. Chapter seven, he's going to heal a blind man. And then chapter 11, like the climax before his own crucifixion, he's going to bring someone back from the dead. Lazarus, he's like, come on out and walk again. And John says at the end of the book that there are so many things that Jesus did that they could not fill. They, they would literally not be able to write them down because they would fill all the books in the world, which I think is a little hyperbole, I think. But at the same time, it kind of gives you the image of like, there's a lot. But he's picked seven. So this is the first one. Pretty stinking cool. So we're on the cliffhanger. What are you going to do? It's just crazy, y'all. Let's just listen to this real quick. I'm going to read this out of my Bible. Verse 6. Nearby stood six jars of water, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial, ceremonial, ceremonially, golly, ceremonially, we're going to get through that word, washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. That is not a small task. I'll just point that out real quick. 
I don't know what kind of tap water they had. I don't know what well they're using. But you just think about raising 20 or 30 gallons out of a well. Now, whether you're doing that a gallon at a time with a rope or whether you're doing, I don't even know. And then Jesus said, fill them to the brim, as if he needed to make sure they knew. Don't just, don't cheat me. You ever mom ever say that? Did you just put all your toys under your bed? Did you actually put them away? That's what that is right there, to the brim. Now, let me just point this out. I did a little math for you, just to kind of give you a little help here. There's six jars. There's 20, 30 gallons in each jar. That's 120 to 180 gallons. Total. Wow, that is a great spelling of gallons. We nailed that one. <laughs> That's actually the Greek version, all right? <laughs> Just go with it. Galions. Yeah, that's it. That's the pronunciation. It's Italian, all right? Now, here's, here's, some, cool, here's some cool things about that, though. Uh, the, the, each jar would weigh between 120. Go to the next slide so we can get off gallons. There we go, good. 160 to 240 pounds per jar. Think about that for a second. How many of y'all can carry three gallons of milk in one arm? Come on, guys. Two trips are for the week. Can we do it? You know what I'm talking about? You just take the handles, smoosh them together, smash your fingers in there, and just pray you don't get arthritis before you get in the house. Just run. Three gallons. Not speaking from experience, but... You're talking 20 to 30, and then 160 pounds to 240 pounds. When Jesus looks at these guys, and he's like, hey, go fill those to the brim... That's all they think. You want me to lift 160 pounds twice? Six times? What are we doing? He may need wine, not water. This is not an easy task. This isn't something they're like, cool, got it. Be right back. This is like hours later, like not quick. And then on top of that, this is how many ounces of wine this is going to be. 13,000. Ounces. How many of y'all get a six-ounce pour at Olive Garden? You remember that? Yeah, the free one. That's like an ounce and a half. 13,000 of those. This is not a small amount of wine. This is a huge amount of wine. I mean, I didn't even realize. When I started this math, I'm like, okay. So a bottle of wine has 16 ounces. Oh, my gosh. What are we talking about? Here's like Blackbeard's like, or Black, like Blackbeard's like call for his cargo ship across the Atlantic, amounts of wine. This is nuts. And this is what he tells these guys to do. Then he told the banquet, then he told them, hey, draw some of this water that just took you hours and weighed a thousand pounds. Draw some out, take it to the master of the banquet. Now, I just imagine these guys just coming off like a five-mile run, just covered in sweat, looking at this guy like, you are an idiot. Look at all this water. Why would you have us do this? And they're just, he just takes one little dip, and they're just like, oh, I want to drink it. <laughs> right? And they're just like, no. And then they go, and they take it. Now, where they take it is to the master of the banquet, which I know last time I explained, so I want to make sure we clarify this. This is not the guy that is the head honcho in the sense of the guest. This is the person that's running kind of the whole thing. This is the guy that's in charge of making sure things go well. So this is the guy that's not going to just go, oh, it's delicious, if it's terrible. This is the guy that's going to go, what is this? We can't serve this. So this is the true Gordon Ramsay of the moment. 
And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants had drawn the water, they knew. They're like, wait a second. They're like running back to the wine, like, we hit the honey hole! Or what, the well. You know, they're running back to the well, like, we hit the honey hole! You know, like... like <laughs> they knew where they drew it from. They called the bridegroom. This is the master of the banquet. He called the bridegroom and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, the best first, and then the cheaper after the guests have had too much to drink. That, see, they, they knew. They knew what's up, right? I mean, that's smart. But you have saved the best till now. I want to be clear about this. Uh, this is not a uh, we can all become alcoholic sermon. I just want you to, to be clear about that. I think when you hear these kind of Jesus is turning water to wine, I think all of us just go, okay, cool, so I'm going to go fill a 20-gallon tub and we're all just going to celebrate. This is so much more symbolism. Uh, first of all, the water quality back then was just terrible, so wine was actually safer to drink than water. It was such a low alcohol level, really not at all what we experience now. Plus, if you drink it all the time, the thought of being intoxicated would take 13,000 ounces, <laughs> you know, to get to a place where, like, it's going to have some effect. So you got to keep that in mind. This isn't that, but the symbolism here is starting to come together. These jars are used for all kinds of things, from full immersion baths that would go when certain things had, had happened that would break Levitical law, to, to just simple hand washing that they would use to, to cleanse, to to ceremonial things for Passovers or, or harvests or certain times of the year. These jars were used all the time as just purification devices that would allow the peace to come back that shame had stolen, that guilt had washed in, and now this water was helping wash away. And in a moment, uh, these large, heavy things that they had carried so many times, like their guilt and their shame, are now being used to transport symbolically joy. These things that had been needed to, to cleanse them now are no longer needed and are filled with joy. That is the symbolism of wine here. It's Isaiah 25 that it says that we will be a part of a banquet where wine is flowing. It's just, it's, it's imagery. This didn't do the reverse and run out and totally almost embarrass myself. Some guy found a great well. <laughs> but in that moment that should have been guilt-ridden, should have been shameful, should have been, oh, the day of celebration would have been stolen is now redeemed is now joy-filled. You guys, this is an over-the-top wedding gift. That's what this is. That's an over-the-top wedding gift. Y'all walk in with a <coughs> drum barrel <laughs> of a fine wine, let alone six of them. That's an over-the-top wedding gift. And this didn't escape John. Look at how John closes the section out with. 
What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was with the first signs. He, ha first signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed. Ooh, there's that word again. Believed in him. Now pause. This word glory here, this is the same type of language that's used when Moses is in front of a burning bush. This is the same type of revealing when God or the angel of his presence would pass in front and the glory of God would shine on them. When Moses comes down from getting the ten or the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on it, he has the glory of God on him. This is a revealing of who God is. And that's what made them believe. It was a sign, but it wasn't just a good wedding gift. It was a sign that led to the glory of God being shown, and it made them believe. Just an ending thought here. He says this, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days, leading to say, hey, this was just something that happened. They moved on, but there was something deeper happening in this. Here's my thought for you. The glory of Jesus looks like Generosity. The glory of Jesus looks like generosity. An overwhelming, abundant generosity. That's his first sign, is generosity. His blood will flow like that wine, but his first thought is the joy it will bring of the wedding gift, of the uniting gift of the resurrection the banquet. His thoughts are not the pain, the discomfort, the betrayal. His thoughts are, oh, how these jars will be filled with joy. My work is to bring that joy and to give it abundantly, generously, this does not remove or take away or distinguish our pain when El Paso happens or when Dayton happens, when innocence is taken. This reveals the heart of our Father in a way that you and I need to recognize. God's joy is abundant for you. God's desire and love for you is generously lavished. And that's what Jesus came to reveal. That God loves you. And that's good news, people. Because we're not that great at loving each other sometimes. But God never changes. God never sways. He stays constant. So let me turn this for just a second on you. Does the glory of God shine through your generosity? 
Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your energy? With the limited, maybe, time and energy you have? Are you generous with your money? Do you see opportunities to give as obligations or designed? I heard a great story uh, just a few weeks ago, and I can't help but share it. It was just powerful. Um, We had an elders meeting where we, once a month, we actually sit, and it's called an inspire session. And all we do is we let God move and just kind of shake things up and get us refocused on what leading a church can sometimes forget to be, and that's about leading hearts and leading people to growth. We can get caught up in the business, and this is a great one. And There's a story in the center of this that blew my mind. It was, it was on generosity and giving, and the story goes like this. Uh, at Thanksgiving, there was a family that was traveling just across town to see family. And uh, he told his kids on the way over there they were going to stop and watch the greatest show. And his kids are younger, 5, 10, maybe 12. So they get in the family van and they drive to the local Waffle House. And they get out, and then the family's starting to pile out. And he goes, no, 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 you got to stay and watch the show. And he goes, what are you talking about? No, what are you talking about? No, no, stay here, stay here. Stay here and watch the show. So you can think about this. It's Thanksgiving Day. Who's working at a Waffle House? People that need money, bad. People that don't have families. People that, that need a job. So you know how Waffle House is. You got this whole huge bay of windows that you walk up, you know, and you can just see the smoke piling out of it. I'm just <laughs> and you can smell it. It smells like greasy goodness. And the dad goes in, and he sits at the coffee bar and orders one black coffee. He talks to the moment with the waitress, sips it once, slips three $100 bills under the cup, and just, boop, goes out, sits in the van, and he goes, watch. And that little, that lady, she walked up, she picked that cup up, and she looked like a murder weapon to her. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> and then she picked it up. And she started to shake. And then she started to cry. And then she shouted. They could hear it outside. She screamed and she said, look. Look. Look what someone gave me. The glory of God is in Jesus, and it is seen in his generosity. I will tell you this. Whether you have $300 to give or you don't, you have opportunities every day to be generous, to offer grace, to offer love, to offer what you've been given. Tell the good news that you have seen in the glory of your Savior's generosity. We are not consumers at this church. We are contributors to the joy. We will not just sip on this wine and sit back. We will offer it to anyone we can. The glory of God 
is in the generosity that was revealed in the signs of Jesus.